and advance. And that to break camp and advance, we actually need to do spiritual warfare. That we actually need to come against what is coming against us. And so I've entitled this message, and you'll see why later, when you pray, say. When you pray, say. So the first part is is, uh, Ephesians 6 and 14 and 15. The first thing I just want to quickly summarize, the spiritual armor to have. The spiritual armor to have. Stand firm, therefore. We can only stand when we are equipped with the armor of God. Having girded your waist with the belt of truth. We need the belt of truth. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness, as we saw the children now. Can you imagine if you went into battle without your breastplate on? You'd be killed. But fortunately, breastplate's got nothing to do with something solid and metal and whatever. It's actually to do with our standing with Christ. Our standing with Christ is not dependent on us. It's dependent upon Him and, what he, and how He sees us. Do you know that when, when, when God the Father looks at Justine, He sees Jesus. I've always wanted that. Our Father, when you look at me, I want you to see Jesus. But that is how God sees you. We are standing righteousness before Him. So it's not a feeling, but it's righteousness received by faith. Do you feel righteous today? Or you're sitting there and thinking, I'm not sure about this. The breastplate of righteousness is your best defense against depression, against suicide. It's a breastplate and you are righteous in the sight of God. Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So having, having put on your shoes. Do you put on your shoes every day? I don't always. If I'm going to work, I'll put them on. I work from home, so maybe I won't put them on. But I do go out sometimes, just sometimes, and see a few people, and then I will put my shoes on. And we need to be like that. Whenever we go out, we need to go out with those shoes of peace, the gospel. We, guys, we need to be taking every opportunity. We need to be taking every opportunity to speak to people about the Lord. So that's what we, we, those are the weapons that we need to have. The spiritual armor to take is take the shield of faith. When the enemy is coming against you and words have been spoken over you and, and, and things are being said about you, you need to lift up that shield of faith because that's what we need to take with us. We need to take the helmet of salvation, put it on. I remember once when I was still a young Christian, which was a long, many years ago, 40 years ago, um, there was this thing when we would put on the armor every morning when we got up. We'd get up and we'd put the shoes on and we'd put the belt on and, yo, that was weird, eh? I'm so glad we don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> but we, we, the helmet of salvation, if you're struggling with discouragement, begin to look into God's word, begin to encourage yourself with the words that God has for you. You cannot stay walking close to God if you are discouraged. 
You need to find yourself in a place of encouragement. The next thing is the Word of God. The Word of God is our offensive weapon. But the problem with many is that they don't really know what's in the Word of God, so it's not really a good weapon. We need to get into God's Word. We need to spend time. We need to develop a love for, for God's Word. So that when the time comes and the opportunity presents itself, we are able to take ground for God with the sword. So where I really want to go this afternoon is how to use the spiritual armor of God. So verse 18, it says, Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and request. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. Unfortunately, we have made praying a box that we have to tick every day. So we get up, we read our Bible, tick. We, we pray, tick. But that's not how we pray. And, and many of us have slipped in to the, the thing of thinking in your head what you're praying. And not actually speaking it out. You can't, you can't say to Jesus, I'm thinking about you. No, you need to pray. You need to open your mouth. There's something that goes together with words coming out of your mouth. Well, you can look back to your salvation. It says, uh, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. There's something in that that, that, that brings the power of God into your life. You, we have to begin to be those. When, when Jesus prays, he does not think that he prays. Jesus doesn't, when you, I'm going to look at some examples, but he, he doesn't think prayer. He prays. And I, I really, I want, to, I, want to, I want to encourage you today that you need to begin to open your mouth and pray. Stop thinking that you are praying. You know what, when you're in a difficult place, you can't start thinking, oh, Lord, please help me. Now, I'm, I'm thinking aloud because this is what most of us do. It goes on and I, oh, Lord, I'm really in a bad place now. And I, I, I wish you would come and help me. And I don't know what's going on. And, and this is all going on in your head. And you're beginning to become confused and discouraged. We owned a house in a little town called Umkamas, down on the Natal south coast. And Patty and I had left Umkamas, and we had planted or started a church in Nelspreet. And we hadn't been able to sell our house by the time we left. And we prayed, Lord, please help us. We need you. We, 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 we have done this for you. We, we, you. You know what? When you pray, you don't have to not be dramatic. You can... I'll show you some things. You can cry and you can moan and you can, God will hear you. God will hear you. Sometimes we say to people, don't be so dramatic. Be dramatic with God. Open your mouth and be dramatic. Begin to pray. Begin to not only think, but pray those words out. And so what happened with this house was we couldn't sell it. We couldn't sell it. And one day we were on our way to a conference in Bloemfontein. 
And uh, we were getting desperate. Lord, please sell this house. Then we heard that uh, Patty's stepmother had driven past the house and she saw the for sale sign outside the house and she had said they won't sell that house because they're coming back. So we heard that. No ways, Lord. We, we found out about this. We begin to come against those words, break them off, and we were busy driving. So the, the trip to Bloemfontein is about six hours, and we were busy driving. When we got to Bloemfontein, the house was sold. They actually faxed us the offer. Yeah, fax, guys, fax. <laughs> they faxed us the offer to the, the university where we were, and we had to go and get it and sign it and fax it back. Amazing faxes, eh? I didn't realize how funny that was. Oh, can I tell you something? Many of you guys, you don't have because you don't ask. You don't have because you don't ask. And people think, oh, you can't ask. God says, ask me, I want to give it to you. You don't have because you don't ask. You know what? Most of us are not asking. In our head, we're thinking, oh, would be it would be really good if God would give that to me I've really got a need no God I need you to come through for me now I need you this in this area and you know what I'm not talking about swapping your milk for a Porsche or anything like that I'm talking about you need an Audi TT Audi and if you pray, your wife buys it and gives it to you for your sixth year. You know what? I'm going to go through here. There are some people that very clearly prayed and things happened. 2 Kings 1 and verse 1. In those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to him and said, This is what the Lord says. Put your house in order because you are going to die. You will not recover. How would you like that? If God came to you in this meeting today, we're all worshiping, we're excited about God, and you hear this in your ear, you are going to die. What are you going to do? Fall in the ground, start, watch what Hezekiah does. He turns his face to the wall, he prayed to the Lord, remember Lord, how I walked before you. So now he's talking to God. Before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Wept bitterly. What do you think that is? I think it's like, ah, Lord. If you're going to die, you're going to cry. Some of us won't. We'll just say, take us, Lord. Please. Isaiah has just spoken this over Hezekiah. Hezekiah started to pray and cry. Isaiah, before he had left the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him. Go back and tell Hezekiah, the ruler of my people, this is what the Lord, the God of your father David says. I have heard. You can only hear when there are words. I have heard your prayer. And seeing your tears, and I will heal you. I will heal you. You know, I think we've fallen into this trap of 
God can read my mind. So I'll just think it and then it'll happen. It's not true. God expects us to open our mouth and to begin to pray. Our Father is quick to answer our prayers there. But we need to ask. We need to ask, guys. There was a king, and the Lord said, I'm going to kill you. And the, through the prophet, and before the prophet can leave, Hezekiah's been crying and wailing before the Lord. And, and the Lord says to Isaiah, turn around, go back. I'm not going to kill you. And if you read that story, he says, I'm going to add 15 years to your lifespan. Jonah 1.1. 1, 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. And he went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for, for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Now, you know, just as Isaiah had gone to Hezekiah and said, I'm going to, you are going to die. So the Lord wanted the same from the city of Nineveh. They wanted Jonah to go there and say, if you don't turn from your wicked ways, you will all die. And now Jonah starts running. So if Jonah's running, Nineveh's going to die. Jonah must be two. Jonah two one from the in, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God, and he said, "In my distress, I called to the Lord." Would you be calling out if you were inside a fish? And, on to, and he's calling out to the Lord, and the Lord answers him. Can you imagine in a fish's stomach, you're laying there in amongst the seaweed, and like all this weird stuff, and the Lord answers. It'll probably sound like this. Oh, 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 ah. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Have you ever seen a fish swim out onto dry land and vomit someone else and turn around and go back into the sea? No, I've never seen that, and never, neither has you, because it's never happened before this and after this. So he goes and preaches to Nineveh, and the whole city turns to the Lord. You know what? Why does God have to bring us almost to the place where we have to die before we will listen and do what he wants us to do. Guys, this is part of your weaponry. This is the most powerful part of your weaponry. You know what? Instead of trusting in your luck and your faith, trust in a loving father. Trust in a loving father. How you see your father will determine the way that you pray. If you don't see him as a loving father, you're going to pray in a very different way. But my dad, when I was in trouble, I would run to him. He would care for me. He would love me, even if I was wrong. He'd give me a hiding afterwards, but still, 
He would look after me. He was gentle, my dad, at times. Then a couple of hidings in front of my wife before we got married. But he loved me and he cared for me and don't let anyone else even talk badly about me because they're going to have a problem with my dad. I, I remember this, this story of uh, probably about five. I was playing in the sand, the sand pit with this little oak. And I don't know if you've heard this story. My father's bigger than your father. No, my father's bigger than your father. My dad can hit harder than yours. No, my dad can hit harder than yours. Isn't that like we, what we should be with our God? When the devil comes, hey, this is my father, and we know for sure he is bigger than you. He actually created you, and he's going to kill you. Sometimes we need some aggression in our lives. Luke 11 and verse 1. One day Jesus was standing in a certain place. When he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Here's where the title comes from. Luke 11, 2. He said to them, when you pray, say. When you pray, open your mouth. When you pray, begin to voice what you are thinking and feeling. When you pray, pray. When you pray, say. Luke 11 and 5. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight. You better not do this with me. I'll shoot you with my paintball gun. And say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The, law, the door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, because I don't think there'll be a friendship after that. Yet because of your shameless audacity, he will get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, here we go. Ask, and it will be given. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be open. Folk, when we're going through difficult times, we need to knock and keep knocking. Too often we give like, oh. no, kick the door down. Get into that place with, with your father. Break the door down. If this guy wouldn't get up, I can promise you that God would have got up. As I said, your salvation, you have to declare with your mouth. Jesus, Romans 10, 9, Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. We cannot carry on with spiritual thinking we have to go to spiritual praying we can't spectate we have to participate unfortunately South Africa because we've got a great rugby team we make wonderful spectators 
But we don't get out there on the field. We just sit and tell the ref that he's wrong. Because the team is doing well, so the ref is wrong. But we become spectators instead of participators in the church as well. When we have times of prayer and we have times of worship, we need to be those that are opening our mouths and opening our hearts and opening our hands and giving to God what He deserves. So I want to say to you guys today, we've got to move on from thinking. I don't want to embarrass you, but who here thinks their prayers? Put your hand up. Go on. Put your hands up. I'm not picking on you. I'm, I'm wanting you, by putting up your hand, you say, I, I want this thing sorted out today. I'm going to sort this thing out. Good to see your hand up, Luke. Yes, yes. We are going to break down that door. We are going to knock. With our voices and our mouths open, what is the first thing you do if somebody comes against you? What's the first thing you try and do to intimidate them? You shout. It's the first thing you do. If shouting doesn't work, run. <laughs> but really, it's the first, for me, the first sign of aggression is when somebody lifts their voice and begins to, and we need to be like that. I'm not talking about flesh and blood. You remember we've been speaking about spiritual warfare. It's not flesh and blood. It's principalities and powers. We're coming against what the enemy is trying to break us down and do what he wants to do. We, we're doing what Jesus says. Jesus says, when you pray, say. Come, let's all say that together. Sounds good. When you pray, say. Again. When you pray, say. And then Jesus is hearing. Guys, you know what? Jesus, his ears are much better than mine. He can hear you. <laughs> That's not hard. Uh, he can hear you. Uh, when you leave here today, we're going to have worship now. And during worship, I want us, I want us to begin to pray. I, I want us to begin to, on behalf of others, there's a, there's a thing called intercession where we don't pray for ourselves. We pray for others. We know their needs and we pray for them. There, there's all these different, there's, warf, there's uh, warfare praying when the enemy is coming against you and you begin to come and go against him. We need to be those that are, are rising up and, and standing for what we believe is right. And, and, and I'm telling you, Jesus is with us. We can't continue thinking in our heads. I'm telling you, I guarantee you, this week, if you pray aloud, next week you will tell me the things that changed. But you have to do it. You can't leave from here thinking, okay, I'm going to do it. Then all week you don't do anything. You think in your head, think in your head. No, you get yourself out. You know what? When you're praying on your own, no one's going to laugh at you. Just get up out of that bed and begin to pray. You can pray while you're laying in your bed. Who says you have to get out of bed to pray? It does help. It gets the blood going and the 
circulation going. And so it does help. But guys, pray. Betty and I, when we get a phone call, so-and-so has got this problem. We stop everything and we pray. We stop what we are doing and we pray together because there's also power in agreement as well. And so if your spouse is with you or your mom or your dad, or if there's two of you, there's, it says one shall chase a thousand, two shall chase ten thousand. Speaking of principalities and powers. 